0: Oh nah, nah. What's my name? Oh nah, nah. What's my name? Oh nah, nah. What's my name? Oh name? Nah. Oh my God, how have you people survived without me? Welcome to the Sharp Tongue podcast that was on a hiatus for a couple weeks. I don't know what the fuck I was thinking. Uh, I'm back. I just got back to L.A. after being gone for three weeks on my fucking world tour that had stops in Syracuse, New York. No world tours complete without some stops in Syracuse, New York, which is really the epicenter of the world. It's a crossroads, if you will, of gluttony, um, shotgun weddings, debauchery, alcoholism, drug abuse, and good Christian values. I apologize for having been on a hiatus. Um, That is not my goal with this podcast. I want to keep it consistent for you fuckers, because I know you guys look forward to it. And I look forward to it, too. But as a creative person, sometimes you get into these um, dark places, I like to call them, where uh, the only thing that really feels good is red wine and Barbadian, Bayesian weed. (laughs) I keep, wanting to saying, I keep wanting to say Barbadian, but it's Bayesian. I also was in Barbados on my world tour. Um, but yeah, so I, I just was in a creative slump. And I just didn't want to, you know, I probably should have just done a podcast and just talked through it. That makes more sense. But um, at, at the desire to not risk sounding like a fucking, uh, you know, depressive asshole, I just decided to take a little bit of time off and come back, so I did that, so you know what, c'est la vie, right, c'est la vie. is that how you say it, um, Pool la vie, um, I am excited to be back and talking to you guys, it's, it's, um, it's something I need in my life, so fuck you, okay, I hope, I hope you need me as well, I, um, I don't, I fucking hope that you need me, I don't give a shit if you need me or not, I sound like some real desperate shit. That's like stage five clinger shit. I hope that you need me. Really? Do you Carl? Get the fuck out of my house, you weirdo. Um, where did I go? So I've been gone. I was in New York City. I played Gotham Comedy Club in New York. Uh, that was my first stop a while back. I mean, Jesus, God, I've been gone for, when the fuck did I leave? I left November 18th, and I just got back. It feels like Two years have gone by. I feel like Tom Hanks when he gets back from the movie Castaway. Away. Anybody see that movie where you know he's he's lost on the island? He's he's deserted on an island, and he gets back, and they have got they've got that buffet of seafood for the poor fucking bastard. He's like, oh, I've been surviving on seafood for three years. Can I get a goddamn hamburger? That's how I feel right now. I was in New York City at Gotham Comedy Club, the nineteenth through the twenty second. Thank you for everybody who came out. Thank you to Gotham Comedy Club for having me, Chris Mazzilli. The Mazzilli brothers are amazing. They are, uh, they've are they been a long-time supporters of Jesse May Peluso, and Chris Mazzilli is a close friend of mine and a mentor. So thank you guys for having me. Thank you for the fuckers who came out to see me. Uh, then I went to Syracuse, New York and performed at the Funny Bone, my hometown, my home club. Thank you to all you fuckers who came out to see me and my cousin diamond david who took two t-shirts off of my goddamn merch table you son of a bitch with sticky fingers i got a cousin david who calls himself diamond david and uh he took he took some of my merch because you know your family feels like they're entitled to your shit give me my t-shirts back david you fucking son of a bitch diamond david more like cubic zirconia david Okay, you can't call yourself Diamond David, David and then take t-shirts, you fucking cheap fuck. <laughs> you know, you go home, and the reality of where you came from sets in, and two things happen. Severe depression, because of the truth of the matter, wh- wh- where your roots are, and then sheer joy to realize you got out of uh, a a destiny that could have been much more dire. Um, I was fortunate to leave Syracuse when I was 18 and to, um, escape any sort of, you know, single motherhood that probably would have been my impending trajectory in my life had I not gotten the hell out of that town. Uh, so yeah, funny bone was amazing. My father got up on stage, Joey Peluso, my dad, he loves to tell jokes. I definitely get my ballsy, Fearlessness and need to entertain people from my father that's that's I definitely acquired that uh, characteristic from him, and then I got the dry, sarcastic, witty, sardonic sense of humor from my mother she she you know she 's quiet and classy, but she 'll throw these verbal daggers at you that get you right into your soul, and you 're like, "Oh God, how can something so sharp come from someone so small and dainty?" <laughs> So, yeah, my my father performed. I I just I had him close out the shows that he came to. And you know, it, some people might think like, "Oh, you're having your dad close out for you." But, you know, he's it's such a delight like seeing people's faces when they watch my dad on stage is hilarious because it's like they get an insider look into where I came from, and it's also really cute to have somebody's dad tell jokes, because they can kind of get away with more. And his jokes are so filthy. He's got a couple clean ones, but Jesus, he's got some ones where I'm like, damn it, Joe, where the hell did that come from? You evil son of a bitch. What are you, a Hitler's court jester? My God. But it was so fun to have him up on stage. And it, it, I watched him, and I can't help but do this because my father's older. So so whenever I'm with him, I'm I'm trying to, like, manufacture memories because one of my biggest fears is the day that he dies. I I don't know why I have such a macabre sensibility about me when the, the, the fact that I think about that. But when I see him, I'm like forcefully trying to remember the moment and, and I try and make memories so that I have them. And so just watching him perform, it makes me so happy. It makes me so happy because of how happy he is up there doing it. like, not many people, you know, being a stand-up comedian is kind of a commodity. You know, th- there aren't many people that are doing it th- the way I am, at least. And to be able to share that with my dad, who is somebody who enjoys performing, but he does it at the change of pace, which is his local watering hole in Syracuse, New York. That's the biggest stage he has. Now, given the the regulars that go there love him, but still, it feels great to be able to share this the limelight with my father, who just is like a kid in a candy shop. He's like a whore in a vibrator store. He's just like a priest at a playground. You guys get where I'm going with this, right? You just you understand what I'm saying. Um, he's like a dick in a butt. Too far. Took it too far. Literally. Don't go so far in there. Um, he he had a great time. And I had Gomez Adams, who was a local radio personality in Syracuse, New York, and also a stand-up comedian. I had him perform, so it was really nice to have him there and my father there, because they've known my father. He's known my father for a long time. I used to, in Syracuse, New York, when I was like 16 years old, I used to go to these comedian... I got some goddamn fucking... Jesus Christ. I I had steel-cut oats, and They're in every corner of my teeth right now. I feel like I just ate dirt. (coughs) Oh, my God, I just choked on a steel cut. Oh, (coughs) that thing went right down my throat. (laughs) I didn't cook them long enough, and so they're all chunky, and I'm trying to talk, and I'm getting oats stuck in my goddamn throat. There's one chilling on my uvula right now. Um, Growing up, my father, one of his best friends, was a comedian. I probably have talked about Mike Goss before when I was like six or seven years old, my father and Mike Goss were our softball coaches. I was friends with Mike's daughter, Kim, Kim Goss and my sister and I we were all on one, a softball team and Mike and my father coached. And this is like a, a peewee league. Like the ages ranged from like six years old to 12 or 13. So it wasn't like a serious, you know, cutthroat competitive Organization. It just was something in the neighborhood that everyone did. You know, we had games every week in the summer. It just was like a community thing more than it was like an actual athletic program. But my father and Mike were our coaches. And I just remember being a kid and loving Mike. Like he was the first comedian I ever met and or was ever exposed to. And I just remember feeling, um, an allure to him. Not like attractive allure, but like, who is this guy? I love what he does. I love how he is. He's entertaining. He's funny. I just remember being attracted to that as a kid and wanting to know more about that. And so I, I Mike was totally influential in my life. But it was funny because my father is a ferociously competitive man. My dad is just competitive over everything. Trivial pursuit. You, you can't even play a board game. Life. Monopoly. You try and play any of these games. Connect Four. Joe Peluso will swear and throw things across the room if he doesn't win a game of fucking connect 4. Slapjack, watch out. He's going to break your goddamn fingers. <laughs> and so we'd be playing these games, and again, there are six-year-olds on some of these teams. I remember one, one game. I, I don't know. I, I hit a ball, and the referee made some call that my father did not agree with. Did, I not, did not agree with to the point that he thought, he didn't even think, he, he ran out to the field screaming at the referee, you son of a bitch, you fucking asshole, oh, you cock sucking, Jesus Christ, what kind of fucking call is that? The kids are starting to cry. The six-year-olds that are on the league are starting to cry. Women, mothers are coming to protect their children because my father, Joe Peluso, Loses his Sicilian temper on the referee at the Pee Wee game at 6 p.m. on a Sunday in the middle of the summer in Syracuse, New York. Sweating from his upper lip, his face was blood red. You fucking referee! (laughs) My dad got ejected from the game. No one ever got ejected from the game. No one ever did after that. My dad got kicked out of our peewee game for verbally assaulting the referee and scaring the children of Syracuse, New York. <laughs> That's just the way my father was. Mike used to call me the Hoover, too. I always loved that. He was very encouraging because he said balls wouldn't get by me. I was like a vacuum. I'd suck them up. That, or he just knew I'd be good at sucking a dick one day. I don't know. I'm going to go with the 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 uh, former... So, yeah, Mike was this amazing guy in my dad's life, one of my dad's best friends. And Mike was, you know, on on top of working with my father, he was a touring comedian. He'd go on the weekends and do gigs, and my father would go with him. And once in a while, Mike would perform in Syracuse at this place called the Spaghetti Warehouse, which is a restaurant that when I was a kid, everyone thought was delicious. And now I realize it was the most disgusting Italian food ever, but we went because it was all we had. Mike used to do dinner and a show. When I was a kid, I used to go watch it, and I was just, like, so enthralled. Like, what the fuck is this? What is this life? And so Mike was definitely one of the first exposures to comedy that I had as a kid. And, you know, when I got older, Mike used to do these comedian breakfasts on Saturday with all the local comedians in Syracuse, New York. Um, There's a bunch of them. Moody McCarthy is, is one of the comedians that came out of Syracuse, New York, that was very close friends with Mike Goss and there's just Nick Mara and, and Gomez Adams, um, Tom Anzalone, like all these guys that, that were just working comedians in Syracuse would get together and they would have breakfast on Saturday and talk about their gigs and talk, you know, bust each other's balls. And my dad used to go as well and he'd bring me. And I would just sit around this table of men, at a diner in Syracuse, New York, when I was like 16, watching them bust each other's balls, and and I didn't want to be anywhere else. I was like, this is this is amazing. <laughs> this camaraderie that exists between these crazy ass people is where I want to be. And Mike Goss was one of those people, and um, he he's he's passed away. He had a lot of health issues because he was pretty obese for a majority of his life, overweight by like 300 pounds, two, 300 pounds. So that puts, you know, that wears on your body after a while, especially residually once you get older, the effects, you know, we, we know that now carrying that weight is just <sighs> tragic to your organs. And so he passed away, which was terrible, but he got to see me perform. And I, I was able to call him a couple times when I was on the road and frustrated and he would always, you know, give me advice. I remember one conversation we had. He told me, he's like, when you're on a, when you're on stage, you're a tornado. You're a tornado, and don't ever forget that. You've got to you got to leave damage when you leave that stage, and and that that always stuck with me. Like to give it my all, to really perform, and to leave houses ruined and families uh, torn apart. <laughs> to kill everyone's animals and to destroy their family homes. That's basically what my goal is when I'm on stage. But no, I was just thinking about him in Syracuse when Gomez came and did a set and then my dad did on the same night and I just wish that Mike was there, you know, that he could see that we were we were doing our thing and thinking about him. So the Syracuse shows were pretty dope. I had a great time. And then I and then I was home for Thanksgiving. You know, I was home uh, chilling there. Uh, you know, there's some, there is a such thing as being home for too long, but I, I love my house. Like, my mom still has the house that I grew up in, so that's nice. You know, I'm not in, I actually stay in my old bedroom, which is weird. It's different now. The, the John Stamos posters have been taken down. I'm really upset that I didn't keep the poster that I had, and I talked about on Girl Code. I did have a poster of John Stamos over my bed that I kissed so much, I wore a hole into his lips. Like, literally, you could see his lips were gone, and you could see my, my bedroom wall through the poster. It was from, like, Seventeen Magazine or something. <laughs> but I, my walls were filled with posters. I wish I would have kept that. I would frame that poster today if I had it. And with the lips, with the hole in the lips, I would frame that and still put it above my bed and still make out with it. Oh, my God, the, the John Stamos photo. <gasps> Did everybody see that? The the John Stamos photo with his ass? Um, excuse me, is he trying to make love to me with through magazine pictures? <laughs> is he trying to tell me something? He's obviously in love with me that he put that photo up. Um, Jesus, did they? I can't even talk. Is that a real ass? I gotta look at this. Paper mag. It was for papermag.com. If you are a John Stamos fan, you must go and see. He exposes his whole ass. Now, I want to know if they photoshopped it. Because it kind of looks like my ass. I feel like it's such a perfect ass. I'm not saying I have a perfect ass. I mean, I work very hard for the ass that I have. There's nothing wrong with having ass confidence. But his butt is so plump. He's like 52. I just... He stopped traffic. I made it my Twitter uh, header picture. (laughs) So if you follow me on Twitter and you see a big plump black and white ass, it's John Stamos's. Get in the know. Get in the know. You gotta know what's up. Okay? Don't judge me. I'm gonna make it a paperweight. I'm gonna I'm gonna make that wallpaper. I would I wanna make that my bathroom wallpaper. (laughs) And just have people come over my house and pin the tail on John Stamos's butthole. I bet his butthole smells like just tzatziki. I don't even know. It probably smells delicious. I, You know, I wouldn't want my butthole to smell like food. Not that I wouldn't want somebody to eat my butthole, but like it better smell like berries or cookies. No, maybe not cookies. That'd be weird. I think floral is a good way to have your butthole smell. I don't know about tzatziki because then it's like I'm hungry and I want, you know, some falafel and it just gets weird. Um, it, well, that photo just... Uh, I can't even handle what ha- is happening. I-, I don't know. It's like, what is, what is happening? Wh- why did he? I I don't understand. <laughs> the pose in front of the window. It's like, that's how I want to wake up every morning. To just Don- John Stamos in a little light ballerina pose with his ass in my face. in a In a beautifully lit bedroom. It, it, what more do I need in life? Really? Jesus Christ. I just, I can't even handle it. Yeah, so I I was home in my, oh, I'm going to sneeze. This is embarrassing. (gasps) (laughs) My sneeze is so horrific. Oh, my God. I, uh, yeah, it was crazy to be home for so long, you know, but... I get along well with my family I know a lot of people don't But I do I love my family I love my sisters My dad is like my homeboy My mom and I We just, you know, go to Marshalls and drink wine It's just a good time Of course there are your issues you have And all that stuff And family history And all that blah 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 But we have a good time Um, I uh, <laughs> Thanksgiving was, was fun It was just me, my mom, her boyfriend, Bob Oh god Bob, God bless Bob. My dad came over, my sister Emily, who's pregnant, and her now husband, Steve. We were all there. You know, so my mom mom made an amazing dinner. You know, just all the stuff. Your turkey and your your potatoes and your green beans and just all the deliciousness, right? And so we all eat. And then like five minutes after we eat, my mom and Bob are hustling to wash dishes, they're like, uh, you know, uh, uh, like it's their job, and if they don't do it, they're going to get beaten by somebody. They're just scrambling, putting dishes, washing dishes. It's like I just ate half a turkey. You want me to get up and wash dishes right now? What, is there a second seating? Is there another family coming in we have to fucking set the table up for again? I just was like, why are we rushing to, to wash dishes? Can I digest? My, my, I got tryptophan pumping through my goddamn aorta this lady's got the dial out already. She's got the, the palm olive. <laughs> Bob was yelling at us. They can get off their gabbing asses and come help us wash dishes. How many people do you think can fit around the sink, Bob? Okay, there's six of us. You think that sink is big enough? For, big, and big enough for all of us to wash dishes? What is this, the amazing race for dishware? Son of a bitch. I just thought it was funny that... He wanted to rush and wash dishes. Oh my God, I can't handle it. So I I was able to actually chill at my house for a few days after I worked at um, the Funny Bone. I probably should mention now that this weekend I'm going to be at the Irvine Improv, 11th, 12th, and 13th, Irvine Improv in Irvine, California. Next weekend I will be at Helium Buffalo in Buffalo, New York, the 17th, 18th, and 19th. That's helium in Buffalo, New York. Buffalo wings. What's up? And then for New Year's Eve, you can catch me at Zany's Chicago in Chicago, um, Rosemont and Saint Charles, the 29th through Jan- through the 31st. Um, in Irvine, I will have Marcella with me this weekend. And next weekend in Buffalo, I'm gonna ha- <clears throat> excuse me. I'm gonna have <laughs> Marty caproni with me and then in Zanies for new year's eve i will have marcella back with me so come check me out my my website is up and running it's been redone thank you aaron for doing that it took fucking forever but we got it done check out jesse com for your tickets you bastards and come see me live i'm a hoot i'm a good time i'm a good time girl um Yeah. So I was able to chill in Syracuse for a few days after my gigs at the funny bone. And then, uh, my sister had her wedding in Barbados. I went to Barbados. I flew there with my sister, Chris, my mom, and in my pop and my sister, Emily, who got married to Steve was there. They were waiting for us. It was the first time I was on a plane with my mom and dad since I was like five. I've never taken a trip with my parents. Um, it's been, pfft, God, over 15 years since we all went on a trip together. The last trip I remember, besides us going to camp during the week during the summer for a couple of weeks, the, the only trip we ever went on was to Disney World when I was like five years old. And I've never been on a plane with either one of my parents. So it was a lot of fun. I got to tell you, I got on that plane and I was like, come on, Nance, we are drinking wine. Actually, we got Bloody Marys. And uh, my sister Chris sat with my dad and I could just see him a few rows back, you know, cause we were on the JetBlue flight and they've got, it was a new plane. These new planes are amazing. They've got bigger screens in front of you so you can feel like a real American, a real lazy son of a bitch and watch TV instead of doing work. I could see my father just, just punching the screen. Like he just has no couth about him when it comes to technology. He just looked like he was, was aggressively fingering the screen trying to get it to change. And I, I just felt for my sister, Chris, because like, she had to deal with that. <laughs> uh, we had a couple hour layover at JFK. Yeah, this is the thing about Syracuse. Cause we flew out of fucking Syracuse. It's a very convenient airport. They've got like two terminals and you know, it, it, it's the smallest airport I've ever been to. Very convenient. Cause you're in and out. There aren't a lot of people, but the, the downfall is you have to connect everywhere. So we had a three hour connection, the JFK airport terminal five motherfuckers fly jet blue. Terminal 5 at JFK is the bomb. There's so much to do. You can chill. There's got, they got delicious buffets. There's little shops. It's one of my favorite connecting places. So I, I recommend it. <laughs> you know I travel a lot if I'm recommending specific terminals. Oh, my God. So, yeah, we got to Barbados on the fr- on Friday last Friday. Yeah, we we flew in on uh, on the 3rd and it was a, a cloudy day. But, you know, we chilled. We had a good time. We were at, we were at the Hilton in Barbados. Uh, it was lovely. Um, you know, it, it just was a it was a fun time and I was doing that whole manufacturing memory thing with my dad because I, my dad is so fun and, and my mom as well. Just having them on the same trip. With and my sister getting married, I just I was on cloud nine. I was like, This is amazing. These people drive me nuts, but this is amazing. I had like thirty seven pina coladas every day. I don't know what it is every time I go to like someplace tropical. I'm like, I like feel I feel like having pina coladas. Bring it on, bitch. Um it was beautiful and one of the most amazing things happened. I hung out with a monkey an actual monkey. So many amazing things happened. One on Saturday, it was beautiful. So we went out to the beach. My father can't swim. My father, he says he sinks. He goes, I can't swim because I sink right to the floor. Okay, Joe, you're not a, you're not a fucking weight. You're not like a, a free weight, but he just, he has no real ability to swim. So I was trying to manufacture a memory with my mom and my dad. Chris was, I think, up at the pool area, and Emily and Steve were gone. So it was just me my mom and my dad, and I was like, I'm going to take this opportunity to create a memory. And I just wanted to like be in the ocean with my parents, because I'd never done that, and I wanted them to experience it. My mom is very frail, too. You know, she's a very thin woman, um, very petite. She also has lupus, so that is an added factor that can make it difficult for her to be outside, and uh, You know, she has pains and stuff. So it, it's difficult for her sometimes. And my dad is, you know, 70,000 years old. So I just wanted to have a memory with them. So I was like, let's go in the ocean. My mom was like, okay. So I hold her hand. I go out and I was going to bring my phone. I went to go back to get my phone. I was like, you know, I don't want to get it wet. It's fine. We'll go out into the ocean. So we go out. Like my mom and I are shin deep and I'm trying to coerce my father to get into the ocean. He's like, I'm not coming in. I can't swim. I'm like, Joseph Samuel Peluso, get your fucking ass in the ocean right now. So he finally succumbed and he was like, all right, fine. I'll come. So he, he starts to walk into the water and I just lightly splash him just a little splash, you know, just cause I'm a, I'm a scor. He calls me a scorch whenever I start to like uh, tease him he calls, Oh, you're such a scorch because I'm always like jabbing him and poking him and driving him nuts. So I just splashed him just a little bit. Now at this point, my mother had already gone a little bit deeper. She was like knee deep into the ocean. I was a little bit, you know, close to being knee deep. I'm taller than her. So, you know, her knee deep and my knee deep are two fucking different things. So I was also like out a little bit deeper than my father. And so I I splash him and then I turned to walk with my mom and then I, I turn back, and I see my father. (laughs) The splash had thrown my father off his fucking axis. You would have thought, looking at him struggling to get his center of balance after I splashed him, you would have thought that the earth had shook off its axis and that a giant man in the sky, like let's just say God for argument's sake, that God had earth in in his hands and he was shaking it like an eight, like one of those magic 8 balls <laughs> because my father from the splash it just threw him off he was backstepping he he, he was trying to get his bearings the waves were coming in that was really dis- disorienting him the waves really threw joe right off and so my mom and i were just holding hands looking at him we're like dad dad and then a, bi- a bigger wave comes in mind you he's in shin deep of water, shin deep, six inches at most. A wave comes in and knocks this man on his ass. (laughs) He falls down. (laughs) He fell down. And Everyone was laughing because every time he tried to, he fell and he kind of rolled a little bit deeper. And my father's paranoid of, of water, especially the ocean. Oh, shit. get sharks. There's shit that's going to get you. So he's just, he's paranoid. And his, he was, he, so he rolled a little deeper. <laughs> my, mom. my mom was keeled over in laughter. Keeled over. She, her, she was laughing so hard. It sounded like she was crying. It sounded like a woman mourning the death of her son. Like those deep, it, it, carnal, animalistic sounds that come from your core. That's the laughter that was coming out of my mom's my mom's little-ass body. I, I never even heard the sounds coming out of her that I heard that day. And so my dad rolled a little bit deeper into the ocean. <laughs> and he's so uncoordinated. Every time he tried to get up, a wave would hit him and just knock him over. <laughs> and I couldn't, and I was... I, I almost peed myself. I had to cross my legs. I was bent down. My mother was bent over. We're like three feet from him. And I'm like, Mom, we gotta help him. And she couldn't she couldn't stand up because she was laughing so hard. And I look around and everyone's laughing because my dad is just he's in ten inches of water. And the waves kept knocking him over. <laughs> he must have gone through. My mom my mom said she goes <laughs> She goes, Jesus, your dad got hit by like eight waves. <laughs> Hey, my dad said, he goes, I was trying to figure out where the fuck I was. I couldn't figure out where I was. Where did you think you were, Dad? You just got off a plane. You're in Barbados. Would you think you were in the Bermuda Triangle, lost in like a, a whirlpool in the middle of the ocean? That's what his face conveyed. At one point, I looked at his face and it just, he, he had sheer terror. <laughs> <laughs> Sheer terror on his face, and we I, we had to help him up. He couldn't get up, and then he got. And then he got on all fours. He was crawling out of the ocean. He looked like like the creature from the Blue Lagoon, the creature from the Black Lagoon. You remember that movie? That's what he looked like c- c- coming out of the ocean, except on all fours. <clears throat> Maybe that's a bad example because that animal was amphibious, and he kind of was pretty. You know, agile on land and by water. So my father was the antithesis of that creature. My dad looked like, you know, just just how he was. A drunk man crawling on all fours out of six inches of water that he almost died in. <laughs> oh my god, it was amazing. And I was like, well, there's my memory. See, when you manufacture a memory, sometimes you get some grade A shit and had I brought my phone, none of this would have happened. Everyone, my sister came back. We tried to retell the story. My sister's like, why didn't you get videos of it? Why didn't you take a picture? And I was trying to tell her, if I had taken my phone, I wouldn't have splashed him because I would have been scared my phone would have gotten wet. So actually, by choosing not to capture the moment like everyone does now, we overshare and we overcapture everything, I decided to just have an organic moment with my parents and boy, did it pay off. Son of a bitch! Did I get lucky? It, it was amazing. We laughed. we were still laughing about it. We, we when we landed in Syracuse on, uh, on on Monday night, we still were laughing about it. Is it sort of thing that you someone starts laughing and you know why they're laughing, and then everyone chimes in because of the experience? It was amazing. It was the best. I couldn't I couldn't have asked for <laughs> anything better. Um, I got to hang out with a monkey which was amazing. Uh, Shortly after my dad almost drowned in the ocean, my sister saw a very attractive Bayesian man with a teeny monkey. He had a little green monkey, four months old. And so we all go over. We're avid animal lovers. My sister Chris was a a vet tech for a while, and she also had dogs for a long time. So she's a huge animal lover. And we're like, let's go see the monkey. We go over, and this little four-month-old, two-pound green monkey was all over us like like a child, like, like a child with a, a, attention deficit disorder. That's what this monkey was like. And he got him, Micah was the owner, Micah with the cheekbones from Barbados, got him as a rescue. Uh, I guess a lot of people get these monkeys and they don't take care of them, and then there's a rescue in uh, the, one of the rescue places in Barbados, so he adopted him. I thought that was so sweet. And I hung out with Charlie. My sister and I hung out with with Micah and Charlie for a couple days. You know, because Micah would just be chilling on the beach with his monkey. And the monkey and I became really good friends. We hung out for a few days. And he started to really take a liking to me. He humped my head. His weenie is so little. He's got the teeniest weenie I've ever seen. But when we met him, he jumped on all of our heads and was dry humping our face. So I may be pregnant. (laughs) I may be pregnant. Um, it was, it was amazing. I, 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 all my life I've just wanted animals. I just want to be surrounded by animals and, and to chill with this monkey was just, it it was for me, I I took more photos of the monkey than I did at my sister's wedding. (laughs) I've got 37,000 photos of me and Charlie, the green monkey. And I've got like four photos of my sister at the altar. You know, what do you want from me? Okay. She starts just crap it in her diapers and swinging from a tree. Maybe she can get some more photos on my phone. Until then, what are you gonna do? All right. I um I took my parents to some fish market in Barbados. You know, because a lot of time we were on a resort and I like to get off the resort. You can't stay on these resorts every time you travel. If it's not safe, that's understandable. But for for a place like Barbados, it's it's not that dangerous if you know where to go. There's this fish market that everyone told me about. Oyston's Fish Market. We went there. Amazing, delicious. If you ever go to Barbados, you have to go to this fish market. On like a Friday night, it's packed. But you get the freshest food. So we ate and then we walked around for some, we saw some shops. And I saw this dude selling stone pipes, like little bowls. Beautifully carved out of one piece of like marble. I think this is made out of marble. Um, I bought the pipe and he goes, you want something to put in that? I don't know why I made him sound like a fucking uh, leprechaun. <laughs> yeah, man. No, he's Jamaican. Um, he's like, do you want to put something in that pipe? You want some ganj? And I was like, fuck yeah, I do. Bayesian Captain Bajan. You know I do. He goes, come back in 10 minutes. And I was like, all right. So I made everybody shop for 10 minutes. I left them. I ran back. I got weed from the guy. Um, it looked like gunpowder. And I was like, I'm going to die. It's going to be one of those dateline episodes where they're like Jessie may went to barbados for her sister's wedding she didn't leave she got too high with a bayesian man and was found floating in six six inches of water (laughs) she got too high and died of six in six inches of water oh the irony the weed was amazing it literally was just i mean I want to go back just for the weed. And I, I, I couldn't smoke at all. He gave me a good amount. And I, con- I seriously contemplated putting some of it in my butthole. I'm not going to lie. I seriously thought about it. I had a little, you know, thing I could do, use to stick it in my butt. And then I thought, I'm traveling with my parents, okay? The last thing I need is to get arrested at the border for, you know, three ounces of weed or whatever the hell it was. And now I regret not doing it because I got stopped anyways because of my podcast equipment that I traveled with that I ended up not even using like a fucking asshole. I should have used it, but I did it and I got stopped. They were like, what's this? And I'm like, it's podcast equipment. They took apart my whole fucking bag. I should have just had the weed because they probably would have just looked at the podcast equipment and then the weed in my butt would have gone you know, just would have chilled there until I got back in the States and I could have took it out of my butt and smoked it. But you know, I didn't. And in hindsight, I regret it because I could have had a great story for you guys. So I got to work on my memory manufacturing for myself. Really, I just have to take risks. You have to risk it all for the story. You know what I'm saying? Do you you feel what I'm what I'm putting out? I regret not putting the weed in my buttholes, what I'm saying. So I gave it to the taxi cab driver. I was like, hey, you want to take this? He's like, fuck. Yeah. I was like, okay. Think of me when you get off of work. Okay. Alexander. So I hope Alexander had a great time thinking about me with that weed. It was, it was great, man. And then I got back from Barbados. I, uh, stayed in Syracuse for an extra day. I chilled there. Um, it was amazing. I I took my dad to get an iPhone. He's had a I don't he's had a rotary phone for the past 20 years that he calls everybody on. <laughs> he's had the oldest phone that I, I it's like an LG slide phone. Uh I don't even know what 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 the brand what the model number is, um but I got him an iPhone and now he he's 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 in the 21st century. It's going to be interesting to see how long it takes for him to get used to the iPhone. But he made a phone call and he FaceTimed me, so I think we're I think we're okay. Um, I just remembered something funny that happened in Barbados on the night after my sister's wedding, the night of my sister's wedding. My sister Chris and I were, we did a conga line. Okay, first of all, we did a conga line. There was like t- 10 people in the pool area sitting at the tables. They had like a singer, they had a couple singers and DJ, and so they had like musical entertainment, and my mom off, you know, drunk off a of wine was like, we gotta do a conga line. Emily needs a conga line for her wedding. I was like, okay, Nance, calm down. We'll get the conga going. So we started a conga line with just my sister who looked beautiful. I must say her dress was amazing with her baby bump. Uh, my sister, myself, my mom, my sister, Chris, my dad and Steve. Yep. Just the six of us did a conga line around 10 foreigners. There were people from Sweden. There was a couple from Germany, a table from Great Britain, a couple regular Americans. Nobody wanted to get in the goddamn conga line. The one person who got in the conga line, an old black lady from like Brooklyn. That was my bitch. She's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna get in this conga line. So she got in the conga line and two kids. That's right. A a set of twins. They were like five years old. That was our goddamn conga line. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure we did it to hot, hot, hot. Hey, I mean, can you get any more white? I don't think you can But my sister liked it, and after we did the conga line, Chris, my sister said she saw a crab. In the sand, she's like, it looks like it's dead, and you know, her and I, we got to save animals. And I was like, what? We got to go save the crab. So we go find the crab, and he's just chilling in the sand. He's kind of, you know, he's not really moving much. And he's like in a walkway. She's like, I think he got stepped on because he's not really moving, and he's in this main path off the beach leading to the pool area. And I was like, well, let's pick him up. And she's like, you think we should put him in the ocean? I was like, yeah, let's put him in the ocean. He probably traveled all this way from the ocean, got stepped on. And he's like, fuck, what am I going to do now? I'm so far from home. I'm injured. I need someone to help me out. I don't have insurance. So I pick him up and we walk him to the, this is nighttime. We walk him to the shore and we just kind of put him, you know, In the sand and see what he does. He kind of walks towards the ocean a little bit. I was like, oh, okay. So he's feeling this. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this is cool. This is cool. And then he stops. And I was like, maybe we should put him a little deeper so he can just have the water, you know, take him into the ocean. She's like, yeah, let's do that. And so we put him in a little deeper. And then a wave comes in and just takes him in. And I was like, well, there we go. We just saved the crab. He's back in the ocean. He'll be fine. We'll be good. We felt all proud about it. We, gave, we might even did a high five. I think we did a little high five. You know, we felt we felt really proud about ourselves. And then um, the next day, Chris goes out on our balcony, and she just kind of, you we can see the shore from our balcony. She's like, what's that on the shore? She's like, I wonder if that's a crab. And I was like, maybe. And then we go down there, and uh, the crab had, had died. We killed the crab. It was a sand crab that we drowned. We committed crabicide (laughs) it was a sand crab yeah we we went into the crab's house took him out of his house and murdered him it was being eaten by a a a seagull and we felt terrible (laughs) and micah you know who's a native to barbados we told him he's like oh yeah that's a sand crab and i was like oh shit we felt terrible we felt so bad. We, we committed crabicide. Oh, my God. So, you know, I would like to donate money to the ASPCA in lieu of me murdering a crab. I didn't do it intentionally. I didn't even make, like, a crab cake from it. I would even make a cute little necklace. I just was trying to save a friend's life, and I ended up murdering him. So let this be a lesson to you all. Um, Google sand crab before you go throwing one in the ocean. <laughs> Oh my God, I can't even deal with it. Um, I haven't really watched a lot of movies. Usually I do like a cute little movie review. I saw Ricky and the Flash. <laughs> when I got back from Barbados, I chilled at my mom's house and I rented Ricky and the Flash with Meryl Streep. She plays like a, a rocker, this lady who was a shitty mother and she, she left her kids for music. Oh, uh, you, know, you, know, you know that, that, that story. That common story about the mother who leaves her child for rock and roll, it was it was entertaining. It was impressive because Meryl Streep sang and played and played guitar. Is there anything this woman can't do? I want to see her make a movie about a porn star. That's when I'm like, you know, that's when I'll be like, this this is one down ass chick. She's talented. She's she's an amazing actress. Meryl Streep, she she can do no wrong. I want to see her get down and dirty on all fours. <clears throat> uh, I took my dad to see Krampus. That's in the theaters now with Tony Collette and Adam Scott. Uh, it's a spin on A Christmas Story. <laughs> it's uh, it's about a European folklore called Krampus, and I think it's an actual story that is told to scare children into submission and to make them behave in Europe. I think Krampus is an actual f- uh, folklore that, that parents have used for years. And that's what the movie's about. And it was actually really entertaining. I have to say, my dad and I went to see it. We were one of six people in the theater. My father's like a toddler. He's like, oh, it's a big theater. I'm like, dad, you can't talk. He's asking me questions about the actors when the movie's on. I'm like, what, what are you doing here? What are you, a Puerto Rican family from the, from, from the Bronx at the AMC 25 on 42nd in Times Square right now? You got your kid with you too. Can you shut up? So it, it just it was fun. I, I recommend it for you horror fanatics out there. It's entertaining, a little campy, but pretty cool special effects. And and they used actual animatronics, which is which I'm a fan of. When they don't use CGI, they used actual um, prosthetics, and the the makeup was pretty dope. The uh, the makeup special effects is pretty dope. I gotta check and see who worked on that. Because I'm a big fan of, like, you know, obviously Greg Nicotero, who does all The Walking Dead, but he's more famous for the movies back in the day, older movies. Um, and Tom Savini, who is somebody who's worked with Quentin Tarantino on a lot of his films. He did From Dust Till Dawn. But I got to see who did this uh, Krampus. So go check out Krampus. It's pretty good. Um, again, I am at Irvine Improv this weekend, the 11th, 12th, and 13th. I'm at Helium Buffalo next weekend. Get your ch- goddamn chicken wings, fucking chicken wings, the 17th, 18th, and 19th. And then I'm in Chicago at Zany's for New Year's Eve, the 29th, 30th, and 31st. I would love for you motherfuckers to come out. Check out my website, jessymay.com. Tell your friends about my podcast, please. Spread the love. I'm going to be doing another, give- another giveaway next week. I have one more necklace to give away. Um, I want you guys to send your good energy to my neighbor in Syracuse, my mom's neighbor, Kim, her husband, Joe, is very sick. He has stage four cancer. So I want you guys to send your positive energy vibes through the, the air, wherever you are in the country, send them to Syracuse, New York. And uh, I hope he can find some peace going through that, horrible struggle anybody who has gone through that knows what it's like it's a terrible terrible thing so i hope he can can um muscle through it and i send him my positive vibes as well i'd like to thank the man who gave me the weed in barbados i don't know his name but i think about him fondly i love my new pipe um i uh, a little announcement kind of a big announcement but in a small package i got another dog Um, it's been hard without Fozzie Bear. Fozzie Bear passed away October 30th. And, uh, I read that people either wait a long time to get another dog or they get one right away. And I think because traveling is something I do frequently, I wanted, and and I knew I was going to be going on this long, you know, three weeks of travel. I thought it would be a good time to get a new dog to, incorporate him into my crazy travel schedule right away. And so I just was, I just started looking a few weeks ago on this app called Woof. Anybody looking for a dog, there's this app called Woof. And it's basically like Tinder for pets. (laughs) That's the best way I can describe it. Um, It's basically you swipe right or left on a dog that you think is hot. Um, The actual mechanism is a little bit different, but you you f- there's profile pictures and there's descriptions and information it basically this this app gathers all the rescues within a certain mile radius you you can you can set whatever mile radius you want you know up, up to 50 miles away up to 30 miles away and this app pulls from all the websites that have dog rescues or cat rescues and it puts it into one app it's actually really smart the way that it it, it was created and it's very um, user-friendly. The interface on it is really uh, easy to use. And so I just looked at a bunch of dogs, you know, I, I just, it's it, a couple of people are like, I can't believe you got a dog already, but Fozzie Bear was sick for a year and a half and he wasn't the normal dog that he was prior to him being sick. So I feel like I kind of lost him before he passed away because, you know, he was, having seizures and I had to medicate him heavily and I couldn't bring him with me everywhere because he's, you know, the heart disease would, would increase and it would advance. So I, I, I got another dog, I think more recently because I had lost Fozzie much sooner than when he died in my mind. Um, even though I was able to have an extra, you know, few months because of medication and the amazing veterinary clinic that I had. The k- cardiologists were amazing at keeping him comfortable. Um, I just was looking at pictures and I found I found this one photo. I'm like, damn, this dog is so cool looking. I got to go meet him. So I drove like an hour south, went to Mission Viejo, is an hour south of L.A., and I met this little dude. His name was Luigi, and he looked like a little fucking deer. He's like fawn colored and he had like a black stripe and he's very thin. Um, he's like a Chihuahua mix. And I sat with him, and he was kind of skittish, but he had a little bit of a personality. And he also had a brother named Mario. Get it? Mario and Luigi. They were um, found running, roaming the streets in Mission Viejo, probably from some puppy mill. Um, that's also where, you're, if you buy a dog from a pet shop, 90% of them, 99% of them come from puppy mills. So um, you probably should resort to a certified breeder, somebody who's reputable or rescuing. I'm a big advocate of adoption, pet adoption. Um, So don't buy a dog in a pet shop. It's the worst place you can buy a dog. Actually, they're not as healthy as if you go with a breeder who's a reputable breeder. Or my first choice is to adopt. Um, Usually you can find a nice mixed dog. And mixed dogs tend to be healthier than purebreds. Purebreds usually are inbred to maintain a pure bloodline. Especially these puppy mills. They're just letting brothers and sisters have sex and that happens in a lot of states in in America between people but we're talking about dogs here so I went and I met him and his brother (laughs) because what the vet was trying to do she was like yeah yeah yeah, I know you're interested in Luigi but here's Mario this bitch was trying to get me to adopt both and I actually considered it I was like I don't want to tear these two apart they're so cute but three dogs is an emotional problem you know what I mean? Like two dogs. I have Carlin here, but I know Carlin missed Fozzie and I wanted him to have another friend as well. And so I just told the vet, I was like, yo, I really want to take Mario too. I can't. So I, I ended up taking Luigi and I took him with me. I got him just a couple days before I went to New York. So he went to Gotham with me. He went to Syracuse with me. He stayed in Syracuse when I was in Barbados, and he's back here with me now. He's sleeping on my bed, and I have to say he's the coolest dog. His name is not Luigi. I've changed his name to Chaplin after Charlie Chaplin, who was one of my favorites growing up as a kid. I loved silent physical comedy. I was a big fan of Mr. Bean. I loved Charlie Chaplin. You know, I loved any of the, sort of that older physical comedy, um, Abbott and Costello. I loved all that shit, so I had the name. I wanted to name something Chaplin, and he just fit the bill perfectly, and he's a dope dog. Fozzie was a motherfucker. Fo- you couldn't, Fozzie would bite your ankle, he'd bite your finger. If you went near me, he'd tear, he'd, he'd go at your jugular. Um, he was a protective dog, and, and Chaplin is so cool. He's so laid back and calm. He doesn't really bark, um, and the day I got him, him and Carlin were just chilling. I went into the bathroom to like do something and I came out and they were snuggling and Fozzie and Carlin lived together for almost four years. They never snuggled. Fozzie would bite the fuck out of Carlin's face. And Carlin was almost taken aback. He's like, yo, I don't trust this little scrawny motherfucker. Why is he so snuggly and adorable and soft? I feel like he's going to turn on me. So Carlin's still not sure because he's so tormented from Fozzie biting his face. Every time Carlin would try and come in my vicinity, Fozzie would just run at him and be terrible. So now I think Carlin is trying to get used to the fact that we actually have a sweet dog. So I'm very excited. I I feel like I I chose the most perfect dog. He travels so well. Yo, this dog slept on my lap from L.A. to New York on the plane. Didn't move, didn't pee, didn't poop, didn't bark, didn't make a noise. Fozzie would be all over the fucking place. One time I flew from L.A. to New York. I fell asleep. It was a three-seat row. There was nobody in the middle seat, and there was a guy at the aisle. I always sit window. I like a window seat. I like to feel like I'm in a car. And so I fell asleep with Fozzie on my lap. I woke up. Fozzie was on the guy's lap. The guy was reading a paper and petting Fozzie. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, my God. And I said to him, I was like, I'm so sorry. Did he hurt you? I fell asleep. He goes, oh, no, no, no. We've been sitting like this for a couple hours. (laughs) So Fozzie was weird like that. You never knew. What you were gonna get with him? So I just was relieved. I've been relieved to have this dog. I feel like I—he was meant for me. He loves Carlin. He's chilling right now. He's probably, you know, dreaming about being on the streets. He—he's got nightmares. You know, I think he dreams about being a homeless person on the streets. But now he's—he's straight chilling. He went from the streets to Virgin America, Main Cabin Select. Okay, you're welcome chihuahuas of america i'm coming for you so that's that's my semi-big slash little announcement i have a new furry friend and he's about a year and two months so he's young uh he's about six pounds he's about four foot nine he's very tall for a little dog but i'm I'm very excited about it so Chaplin is my new son i'm in a good place i'm over my little uh creative rut. I'm sorry I left you guys. I abandoned you. And you know what? As somebody who adopts dogs that are abandoned, shame on me. Shame on me for doing that. Uh, I hope to see you guys come out to my remaining Jess America tour dates. Irvine Improv this weekend, Helium Buffalo next weekend in Zany Chicago for New Year's Eve. Um, You guys give me life. I've missed you. It's been amazing to talk to you. I hope you all had an amazing Thanksgiving. And Christmas is around the corner, motherfuckers, so buck up. And Hanukkah, and Kwanzaa, and whatever else you celebrate. If you don't, sell any, if you don't celebrate anything, you're a heartless son of a bitch. I love you, though. <laughs> uh, hey! If any of you are looking for any last-minute gift ideas for me, I have one. i like Frank Shirley, my boss, right here tonight. I want him brought from his happy holiday slumber over there on Melody the Lane with all the other rich people. And I want him brought right here, with a big ribbon on his head. And I want to look him straight in the eye, and I want to tell him what a cheap, lying, no-good, rotten, four-flushing, low-life, snake-licking, dirt-eating, inbred, overstuffed, <laughs> ignorant, blood. Sucky dog-kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat-ass, bug-eyed, stiff-legged, spotty-lipped, worm-headed sack of monkey shit he is! Hallelujah! Holy shit! Where's the Tylenol?